This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. You're listening to the Drive Time News Blast. I'm Brad Binkley. Twitter files part three rapidly coming out after part two. So I'm going to do another just live reading. I have not read Twitter files part three yet. So I am going to read them for you so you don't have to read them. That is if you haven't already read them. Many of you might have already read them. I intended to do this last night when I got home, but it was just too worn out. So I'm going to do it today. And as you, is this on screen yet? Did I put that up? Hold on a second. Let me get that up there. All right. So you see up on screen there, we have uh, Elon Musk tweet. It says, the Twitter files part three, deplatforming the president. As I mentioned last night, or whenever I recorded Twitter files part two, maybe it was not last night, the night before last night, this is being rolled out in kind of a suspenseful way. High drama, just like the January 6th hearings were high drama. They need everything to be high drama. And I think that Twitter's actually doing the best job of capturing the high drama. Musk even tweeted out something about waiting for Twitter files part three with popcorn emojis next to it. Because we're all just waiting and we're captivated by it. I don't know what's going to come of it, personally. Because I don't know who on the... I don't know who's reading these things that don't already agree or believe it. Like most of us already knew this stuff was going on. So I don't know whose eyes this is actually opening. I think it's good that it's out there. Hopefully people are reading it and they're, they're being uh, awakened, but who knows? We'll see. All right, let's dive in. Twitter files, part three, Matt Taibbi, throw it back to Matt Taibbi from Barry Weiss, who did it last time. Barry Weiss. I think that's how you say your name. And I'll go ahead and let you know there will be dogs barking periodically through this recording because that's just what's going on today is the dogs want to bark if a leaf passes by they all attack the door and they all bark as though the leaf were about to break in the leaf means no harm it's just floating in the wind but the dogs don't care so be ready for dog barks okay thread one where are we all right the twitter files the removal of donald trump part one october 20th january 6th Okay. All right. Number two, the world knows much of the story of what happened between riots at the Capitol on January 6th and the removal of President Donald Trump from Twitter on January 8th. Number three, we'll show you what hasn't been revealed, the erosion of standards within the company in months before January 6th, decisions by high-ranking executives to violate their own policies, and more against the backdrop of ongoing documented interaction with federal agencies. Number four. That was number three. This is number four. The first installment covers the period before the election through January 6th. Tomorrow, at Shellen 
Berger MD will detail the chaos inside Twitter on January 7th. Oh, great. So we already have another one supposed to drop today. Has that one dropped? My goodness. Hold on. Let me see if that one's dropped. Can't even keep up with these drops at this point. You know what? I'll look at that later. We'll detail the chaos inside. On Sunday, Barry Weiss will reveal the secret internal communications from key dates on January 8th. This is a whirlwind coming at us. Number five. Whatever your opinion on the decisions to remove Trump that day, the internal communications at Twitter between January 6th and January 8th have clear historical import. Even Twitter, even Twitter's employees understood in the moment it was a landmark moment in the annals of speech. Here's a screenshot attached to that, which says, the name is blocked out, is this the first sitting, sitting head of state to ever be suspended? Probably, because what would they have been suspended from prior to Obama? Was there, yeah, I don't think, was Twitter around when Bush was president? I don't think George W. putting any tweets out there. I'm George W. Bush is my Twitter. Tweeter. George, George W. Bush probably couldn't say Twitter without giggling to himself. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it... <clears throat> a real POS. You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. Number six. As soon as they finished banning Trump, Twitter executives started processing new power processing new power. They prepared to ban future presidents and White Houses, perhaps even Joe Biden, the new administration. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Perhaps even Joe Biden. That's, that's, that's rich, Matt Taibbi. The new administration, says one, says one executive, will not be suspended by Twitter unless absolutely necessary. And here's a screenshot. Says 181310. Military time, I guess they use over there at Twitter. Name blacked out. I would like to see the names. Personally, I don't like these unnamed sources. But again, nobody is pushing back to say these things are not true. Of course, there are people going on networks saying that it's propaganda. Everything is propaganda right now. And the propaganda is going to be more in the suppression of things. I would like to get the complete context if we are getting full transparency on all this. I I don't know. I doubt it. It says in the screenshot... As stated in our, and it has a hyperlink, rules and policies for ban and evasion, ban evasion policy. It's interesting. If it is clear that another account is being used for the purposes of evading a ban, it should also be sub- subject to suspension. For, for government accounts such as POTUS and at White House, we will not suspend those accounts, but we'll take action to limit their use. However, these accounts will be transitioned over to the new administration in due course and will not be suspended by Twitter unless absolutely necessary to alleviate real-world harm. Oh, alleviating real-world harm. Okay, so who gets to determine what that is? Who do these people think they are at Twitter? Give me a break. Take themselves a little too seriously over there. Number seven, Twitter executives removed Trump in part over what one executive called the context surrounding 
actions by Trump and supporters over the course of the election and, frankly, last four-plus years. In the end, they looked at a broad picture, but that approach can cut both ways. Of course it can. So they're factoring in what people do off of the platform in their decisions on whether or not to kick people off or suppress them or whatever. And we knew this was true. This was obvious. But this is ridiculous. At at what extent does that stop? I mean, can you go back into somebody's life? And we actually saw this happening in a similar but different context where there was a period of time where like athletes or something would have someone go pull up a tweet they made when they were like 12 years old. And that person would then get suspended by the team. I remember there's a Braves pitcher who he was like one strike away from throwing a might have been a perfect game. Definitely no hitter. Might have been a perfect game. I can't remember. And he was a young pitcher. And then a couple days later, it emerged that he had tweeted something when he was like 12 that they said was homophobic, which was a 12-year-old tweeting the F word is what it was. And the Braves ended up making him go do like some sort of course that he had to take to be more sensitive and so there was off field or off twitter consequences for what happened on twitter and now now they also factor in which we know behavior off of twitter to what happens to them on twitter at least they did anyway and i'm sure that will probably continue here's what it says in the image attached to that number Hi, Vijaya. I'm going to say these names wrong because as I mentioned yesterday, apparently no one who works at Twitter, I I can't pronounce any of their names. It says, I'm working with, and it's blacked out or browned out, on my team to put together a document to share with you a POV from research, hours, academics with whom we have been working with. I'm sure those are very high qualified and respectable academics, I'm sure. On Donald J. Trump's language as coded incitement to further violence. As coded incitement? So they are mind reading. They are projecting. Are they not the ones that are racist if they're projecting the negative intent or whatever they're going to say he's doing? If they project that onto the language? Yeah, do people use coded language? Absolutely, they do. To have this as a way to evaluate someone, we're starting to get into a little bit ridiculous territory where things become thought crimes. And then the rest of the picture says, let me amplify that a little bit, make it a little bit bigger so you guys can see it. That didn't make it bigger. What the the F, dude? Hold on a second here. All right. In the meantime, here is our quick take. This is still from the image from the Twitter employee. The decision on whether to pull that particular tweet or use that as a last straw for Trump's for Trump depends on many factors, including number one, the overall context and narrative in which that tweet lives. We currently analyze tweets and consider them at a tweet by tweet basis, a tweet by tweet basis, which does not appropriately take into account the context surrounding. I want to read that again. The overall context and narrative, these are the factors, depends on the factors of one, the overall context and narrative in which that tweet lives. Okay. We currently analyze tweets on a tweet-by-tweet basis, which does not appropriately take into the context surrounding. You can use the yelling fire into a crowded theater example context. Context matters, and the narrative that Trump and his friends have pursued over the course of this election and frankly the last four plus years must be taken into account when interpreting and analyzing the tweet that's unbelievable 
I mean, it's believable. It's just unbelievable to actually see this written, typed in print from somebody who works there whose name we do not know. And then number two, the second factor depends on the larger question is around our moral imperative and decision as a company, which the user sentiment should not drive based on number one. The larger question is around our moral imperative and decisions as a company. So the moral high ground, they believe they have a moral, it is their moral duty to protect us from this dangerous coded language that Trump is using because we're so stupid. We're so dumb that they have to protect us because they're the smart ones. These people are awful. And I believe that his tweet does violate our rules when taking that historical context and current climate into account. They're bending over backwards to try and find a way to say that it violates it. Therefore, they can remove him. It's unbelievable. It's not unbelievable. I should stop saying it's unbelievable because it's not. It's clearly not unbelievable. Uh, oh, great. So I lost my, lost my place there. Let's move it back down. What number were we on? We were on number seven. All right, number eight. Number eight, the bulk of the internal debate leading to Trump's ban took place in those three January days. However, the intellectual framework was laid in the months preceding the Capitol riots. Number nine, as you may or may not hear the dogs barking that I hear in the background. Before January 6th, Twitter was a unique mix of automated rules-based enforcement and more subjective moderation by senior executives, as Barry Weiss reported. The firm had a vast array of tools for manipulating visibility, most of which were thrown at Trump and others pre-January 6th. Number 10, as election... As the election approached, senior executives, perhaps under pressure from federal agencies with whom they met more, uh, with whom they met more as time progressed, increasingly struggled with rules and began to speak of what does say? VIOS, V-I-O-S, as pretext to do what they likely would have done anyway. What does VIOS mean? Is that a is that a word? Toyota VIOS? No, I I don't know. What does VIOS mean? BIOS can be defined as a special logic, logical partitions to host resources in order to provide advanced virtualization capabilities across client. I have no idea. Partitioning things off, I guess. I, I don't know. I don't know what these clowns meant. By their coded language that they're using. All right. What number was that? Number 11. Yeah, I hear you, dogs. I hear you with the whining. You're very cute. You're not as cute with the whining. Still love you, though. Number 11. After January 6th, internal slacks, these people in their slack discussions, slack, where all the feds go. After January 6th, internal slacks show Twitter executives getting a kick out of intensified relationships with federal agencies. Here's trust and safety head Yoel Roth, this guy, laminating a lack of generic... Generic enough calendar descriptions to con uh, to concealing his very interesting meeting partners. Let's see here what it says. Second here. All right. Yoel Roth. This is from their Slack discussion. Eh. It happens I'm a big believer in calendar transparency. But I reached a certain point where my meetings became dot, dot, dot. Very interesting. 
dot, 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 to people, and there weren't meeting names generic enough to cover. Anyway, let me know. And then a response from somebody whose name is blued out this time, as well as their image is grayed out. Very boring business meeting. That is definitely not about Trump. Oh, smiley face. So that was, no, smiley wink face. Let me read that one again. This is their response, their joking response. And here's what you should call your meeting. Very boring business meeting that's de- that is definitely not related about Trump. Definitely not about Trump. Smiley face wink. And then Yoel Roth replies with pretty much. And then Yoel Roth re- replies to himself by saying all caps, definitely not meeting with the all caps FBI, I swear. Definitely not meeting with the FBI, I swear. Very hilarious. And then LMAO, laughing my ass off over there at Twitter. Hilarious. Like I said, Slack. Where all the feds go. Or where they go to talk about their meetings with feds. Numero 12. Numero 12. Numero 12. These initial reports are based on searches for docs linked to prominent executives whose names are already public. They include Roth, former trust and policy chief, VG Vihaya Gadi, and recently Plank walked deputy general counsel and former top FBI lawyer Jim Baker. Number 13. One particular Slack channel offers a unique window into the evolving thinking of top officials in late 2020 and early 2021. Number 14. On October 8th, 2020, executives opened a channel called US 2020 XFN Enforcement. Through January 6th, this was this would be home for discussions about election-related removals, especially ones that involved High-profile accounts, often called VITs, or very important tweeters. Very important tweeters, VITs, V-O-P-P-A. Little Biggie Smalls there. This is from the image attached to number 14, and it says, excuse me, here one second, desk shifting a little there. Hey, everyone, starting tomorrow, October 9th until November 15th, this channel will be used for the following reasons related to the 2020 elections. Trends identified that require scaled investigations. Trends identified that require scaled investigations. So trends they don't like. Trends that undermine their narrative or that threaten the the main narrative. High profile account accounts escalations that potentially require P11 soft interventions. P11 soft interventions. That sounds like sexual harassment. Is what it, 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 That sounds like a, a, a really... Like they had a soft intervention. They just groped me a little bit. They didn't go full hardcore intervention. Scaled solutions required. Edge cases of XFN consultation. High-tech issues, bugs, tools, outrage. JIRA tickets. Then it says, this is an enforcement channel between... TAMP, talk about coded language, and TWS, maybe these are like computer people language that I don't understand, but, uh, and TWS to help speed up our response related to election issues over the coming weeks. GET, G-E-T, that's uh, an acronym, not not the word GET, will start providing a handover starting APAC shift tomorrow 
Friday, October 9th, using the following template. Handover, next shift, E-M-E-A-A-P-A-C-N-A. Thursday, October 8th, G-E-T-S-P-S-I, open escalations, none. Notes from the shift, ask, can you please make sure everyone on your team is within the channel? The teams that we include are as follows, site integrity, so that's S-I, safety policy, that's F-S-P, product trust, I guess that's P-T, safety operations, S-O, media ops, global escalation team. If you have any questions or concerns, let me know. My concern is that you are all assholes. There's never been, this is a message written by someone who is a snooty, uppity asshole. Excuse my language. That's what I gathered from just the language used in this. What kind of corporate speak are these clowns? I mean, I can't – this is – who comes up with this language and these acronyms? They have to have somebody whose job it is to just come up with these. Like I said the other day, the SIP piss one, just these really horrible, awful acronyms. All right. Let's go to number 15 from Matt Taibbi. Taibbi. There was at least some tension between safety operations, a larger department whose staffers used more rules-based process for addressing issues like porn, scams, and threats, and a smaller, more powerful cadre of senior policy executives like Roth and Gaddy. The deep state of Twitter, number 16. The latter group were a high-speed Supreme Court of moderation issuing content rules on the fly, often in minutes and based on guesses, gut calls, and even Google searches, even in cases involving the president. And then, see, the the attached image says, why is that not getting, I'm trying to make this image bigger, but it's not really doing it here. The attached image says, names blocked out. Hi, everyone, received this escalation just now, then it links to Trump's tweet, and Trump had tweeted, the escalation Trump tweeted, according to them, was breaking news, 50,000 Ohio voters getting wrong absentee ballots, out of control, a rigged election. So that this is what they flagged, and this was on, it looks like, October 9th, 2020. Yeah. And then, yeah, Friday, October 9th, 2020, rigged elections would be enough to be in violation, right? Question mark. So they were, the, they're asking if that's enough to be in violation. And then Yoel Roth responded by saying, if the claim of fact were inaccurate, yes. Okay. And then Yoel Roth responds again saying, but it looks like that's true. <laughs> and he tweeted a NPR. So they, they see NPR as a credible source, obviously. And NPR had an image attached to it, said Ohio voters receive, 50,000 Ohio voters receive uh, new absentee ballots after error found. So they were ready. They were ready to ban Trump for something. Turns out they couldn't do it on this one because it was true. True. It was provable, or at least true according to the mainstream sources. Number 17. Oh, dead gummit. During, During this time, elections, I can make that bigger. During this time, Executives were also clearly liaising with federal enforcement and intelligence agencies about moderation of election-related content. While we're still at the start of reviewing the hashtag Twitter files, we're finding out more about these interactions every day. Executives were clearly liaising. Yeah, of course they were. 
Of course they were. Number 18. Policy director Nick Pickles. Nick Pickles? This sounds like an SNL sketch or something. Nick Pickles. Hi, I'm Nick Pickles. Twitter moderation, whatever his job is. Oh, policy. Policy director. I'm policy director Nick Pickles. Pleasure to make your acquaintance. Nick Pickles is asked if they should say Twitter detects misinfo through MI, human review, and quote, or star star partnership with outside experts. The employee asks, I know that's been a slippery process. Not sure if you want our public explanation to hang on that. Hmm. Sounds like a slippery, slippery process that Nick Pickles is involved with. Indeed, I would like to not hear Nick Pickles and slippery process in the same sentence ever again. Here's the image attached. In Pickles, are you comfortable with marketing talking about misinfo by saying that we detect it through ML and human review, partnership and outside experts? I know it could be a slippery process. I don't know if we want our public explanation. So they're, they're actively talking about how to, this is, Public relations talk. How can we spin this so the public doesn't get outraged? And then the other image here with a picture of Nick Pickles. And he actually looks like his name is Nick Pickles. I think if I saw that guy walking down the street, I'd probably say, that guy looks like a Nick Pickles to me. And Nick Pickles says, can we just say partnerships? And then he says again, e.g., not sure we describe the FBI, DHS as experts. Of course, they're not, not experts. Or some NGOs, non-governmental associations that aren't academic. Thank you, Nick Pickles. Now go get back in your jar in the fridge. Number 19. Pickles quickly, I can't, I can't say this without laughing, quickly ask if they could just say partnerships, which I just read there. After a pause, he says, not sure we describe the F FBI, DHS. Yes, that's uh, was included in that number 18 as well. And uh, number 20, the post about the Hunter Biden laptop situation shows that Roth not only met weekly with the FBI and DHS, but with the Office of the Director of National Intelligence. Weekly meetings with this Yoel Roth. Why not, why not bring Nick Pickles into the meetings? And then there is an attached image that says bot application. Yoel has checked in. Here is what they said. What's new for you since our last check-in? Hacked materials exploded. We blocked the New York Post story. Then we unblocked it, but said the opposite. Wait, what? Then said we unblocked it. And now we're in a messy situation where our policy is in shambles. Comms is angry. Reporters think we're idiots. <laughs> And we're refactoring an exceedingly complex policy 18 days out from the election. In short, FML, weekly sync with FBI, DHS, DNI, re-election security. Wow. The meeting happened about 15 minutes after the aforementioned hacked materials. They're not hacked materials implosion. They weren't hacked materials. That's what I said. That's not what they said. The image continues. The government declined to share anything useful when asked. Isn't that usually the case, I think? Monthly meeting with FBI, FITF, briefed on several ongoing investigations. Okay. Number 21, 
Ross' report to the FBI, DHS, DNI is almost farcical in its self-flagellating tone. We blocked the NYP story, then unblocked it, but said the opposite. Comms is anger. Reporters think we're idiots. In short, FML. Oh, F my life is what FML is. Number 23. All right, and this will be the last one that I'll do in the Drive Time News Blast, and I will continue going through the rest of them with some other commentary, and maybe we'll see what people have said in the aftermath, depending on how much time we got in the DMB XR, the subscriber-only portion of the show. And if you want to get access to that content, you can go to patreon.com slash propaganda report and subscribe there today. What you will get along with the subscriber only portion of the show is you will get the drive time news blast ad free. I take out the ads for subscribers. I put it together, put it into a private RSS feed that you get through Patreon. You can pop it into just about any podcasting app that you listen to. Okay. On to the final tweet of the drive time news blast that we're going to be going through number 23. Some of Roth's later slacks indicate his weekly confabs with federal law enforcement involving, involved separate meetings. Let me do that one again. Some of Roth's later slacks indicate his weekly confabs with federal law enforcement involved separate meetings. Number 23. Some of Roth's later slacks indicate his weekly confabs with federal law enforcement involved separate meetings. Here, he ghosted the FBI and DHS, respectively, to go first to an Aspen Institute thing, then take a call with Apple. And this guy thinks he's something else, this Yoel Roth. So I think a lot of people saw the clip of him going around. Hey there, I have to miss the FBI and DHS meetings today, unfortunately. I saw you're on the invites for both as our site policy. Can you give me a quick readout if there's anything interesting that comes up? Patrick... Cologne says, sure thing, exclamation point. I hope that everything's okay. Yoel says, yeah, just have conflicts at both times. An Aspen Institute thing this morning on vaccines that I have to present at. Oh, my gosh. And then a call with Apple to avoid us getting kicked out of the App Store during the DHS one. Patrick then says, ah, those both seem very important. Yoel replies by saying, indeed, All right, I got to find this Yoel thing. Then we will get out of here. Okay, here is the the clip going around. I haven't watched the whole thing. In fact, I haven't. I don't even remember what this says. This is Yoel Roth, looking very effeminate. I mean that 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 is the face of beta male right there. If if you've ever seen it, that expression. The morning of the Hunter Biden story in the New York Post happens. And it was weird, right? With distance and with, with what we know now, we, we forget some of the weirdness. But do you remember the, the laptop repair guy? Do you remember the uncertainty of the, of the whole story? We didn't know what to believe. We didn't know what was true. There was, there was smoke. And ultimately for me, uh, it didn't reach a place where I was comfortable removing this content from Twitter. Everything about it looked you like a hack not, and leak and smelled like a hack and leak. You did not want to do that. Leak but it didn't get there for me. Okay. So, so it didn't, didn't get there for him, for him, but they did it anyway. Well, why didn't he stop it? Anyway? Can you believe that a guy like that is who was responsible? One of the people responsible for content moderation. Is there any doubt that someone you can just tell by the way he carries himself is going to probably be a little bit biased in the way that they, they make their decisions. Somebody who's seen 
some people just seem like they get offended, like they've been conditioned to be offended by things in the world, and that's how they kind of move up in the world. And he kind of comes off as one of those people to me. But I'm, I'm judging without knowing him very well, just based on kind of what I've been reading here on this tweet chain. Let's get back to Matt Taibbi up there. Well, we're going to go on to the DMB XR, actually. And uh, thank you guys for listening to the Drive Time News Blast. Let me get some music going here. I do need to get some Christmas music plugged in here. But I appreciate you guys listening. I appreciate your support. And we will talk to you next time. Have a fantastic rest of your day.